you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. In 1949, the Columbia Broadcasting System, better known as CBS, sponsored a study conducted by Rutgers University that found that television increased family unity and cohesion, did not promote viewer passivity, and did not replace other valued diversions such as outdoor activities and social interactions. Now, do you think that can be said about television today? Are families more unified and cohesive because they are spending large amounts of time watching television? I don't think so. And how can television today not promote viewer passivity? TV is a totally passive event. Finally, I find it very hard to believe that television has not replaced outdoor activities and social interactions. Of course, television has changed a lot since 1949, so I have no doubt that that research was completely accurate, probably through the 1950s and 1960s as well. Now, I can remember growing up with one very large Zenith console television in the living room of our house. Watching TV alone rarely happened. There was always another family member in the room. It probably did bring us together as a family. I remember watching shows like The Cosby Show, Little House on the Prairie, and The Waltons together. But then things began to change. We went from one TV to two, a, a small black and white for the kitchen, then one for my parents' room. Then came a Betamax where we could watch old movies and movies that came out in the theater about a year before. I remember a service called On TV, and then HBO came along, and finally many, many, many more cable television stations. I was the first kid on my block to get an Atari home video game system after spending lots of quarters at the local arcade throughout the years. I got video game cartridges as fast as I could earn a little bit of money. Then I enjoyed my first Apple II computer my junior year in high school. It was a thing of beauty. Okay, enough walking down memory lane. All of us in our 50s can probably tell similar stories of experiencing the rapid transformation of television and all other forms of entertainment technology. We are probably like the proverbial frog in the kettle. So slowly being boiled, we don't truly know its impact on our life over the years. But our children are born into a world literally covered in video screens. Your child probably watches TV on a 50-inch LED screen, maybe several, has his own computer, maybe even an iPad or even a smartphone, or at least access to their parents' electronic devices. Is there a day that goes by which your child isn't looking at a screen, at home, in the car, at school, even maybe at church? So let's dig down deep and consider not only how screens and technology are affecting our children, but how they impact our parenting. 
then we must seek a solidly biblical foundation for how to train our children well in these entertainment screen-driven times. As you can probably tell, I was raised with plenty of what is now old technology in my life. We were the sort of family where the TV was always on, so much so that my siblings and I thought the TV was another brother. So I am in no position to advocate some monastic life of getting rid of your television, internet, smartphones, and other screens in your home. While I can imagine some of the great benefits of going off the grid as a family, I will not be suggesting that. So then where do we go in order to train our children to navigate a world of screens as followers of Jesus? How do we promote wisdom in dealing with the entertainment media? Well, let me start with this. Screen practices to avoid with young children. First, avoid giving them their own personal entertainment device. Whether it is a smartphone, a tablet, an iPad, a Chromebook, or a laptop, I would not suggest any child under 13 to have these in his or her personal possession. Why not? After all, they will potentially keep your child quiet and happy for hours on end, right? Well, here's my rationale. First, you will just be encouraging isolation and separation. The rise of the personal entertainment device allows a child to become addicted to being alone. He enters his own virtual world, interacting with ideas and stories and information without any real human being to relate to. Even if you police everything your child watches and listens to, you are encouraging a private life where he or she chooses what is most entertaining. And the nature of this sort of private TV viewing is that it is addicting and extremely time-consuming. Hours upon hours can be wasted quite easily. We want to train our children to interact with other people more than with just screens. Handing your child his own private device will never encourage real life with others. Second, your child will not learn to reach consensus or share. I must say that it's quite a chore to get our large family to agree on a particular movie for Friday night movie night, especially since we have young, middle, and older children, not to mention a couple of old parents. It would be so much easier to hand out personal devices and let each person choose for themselves whatever would entertain them. Do you recognize the problem here? It is very sanctifying and potentially sacrificial to have to come to agreement on a movie or television show. No child in your family will always get his way. A healthy give and take will train your child to work with others, to share, to give in at times, and to reach a good consensus. Private entertainment devices mean I can choose what I want to watch and I can make sure I never have to watch what I don't want to watch. That method will guarantee that a child will never watch a classic black and white western, that's for sure. Isn't it a good thing for your child to have to watch what others enjoy and maybe grow his universe a bit in the process? Third, your child may not want to do much else with his free time. 
I remember when my boys were younger and I told them that it was time to take a break from playing a video game. The usual response was, okay, can I watch TV then or play on the computer? They were wanting just to exchange one screen for another. No, go play Legos or read a book or maybe even play outside. Having a personal entertainment device will inevitably become your child's go-to activity. Sure, you can limit the amount of screen time, but good luck taking away his personal device. Would you give up your smartphone for a few days? If you give a child his own entertainment device, he won't want to part with it any more than you would. And children don't have the wisdom to know when to take a break and to do something else. Most likely, your child's choices of free time activity will shrink tremendously. So consider keeping the personal entertainment device for the teenage and adult years only. So here's a second topic to think about. Entertainment media in your vehicle, your car, your minivan, your SUV. Now, I understand the temptation to have a flip-down screen or an iPad in your car for those long trips to the beach or to Grandma's house. Of course, I grew up in the day when our only method of the in-car entertainment was looking out the windows at the scenery. My sister and I would play I Spy, the alphabet game, and Slug Bug. You know that game, right, where you slug your sister when you spot a Volkswagen Beetle? And we do that for hours. We turn out to be very sore as well. Having movies to watch on long road trips is a nice convenience, but maybe even that is not the best option for your child. How about a book on CD or some good podcast to engage the brain and the imagination? But my real issue is not with the road trip, but with the driving to church or to the store or to the ball field, literally 10 to 15 to 20 minutes total transit time. What's the point here of having your child watch a screen? Personally, I just think it is a lazy parental habit. It is just adding to a child's potential overuse of screen time and the entertainment media. Worse than that, it's a missed opportunity. Depending on the age of your child, you are missing this time just to talk. You have a captive audience in your back seat. And your children could actually talk to each other. Even sitting in silence is better than the noise of a partial movie or TV show. Again, I would even advocate for these devices not to be used on long trips either. Be creative. Play games. Talk. Interact. Resist allowing your child to be absorbed in a screen just to kill off the boredom of a long car ride. Now here's the third thing we need to think about. Allowing total freedom of the internet. Now, does this point even need to be made? Sadly, yes. Over the years, parents have put their guard down little by little when it comes to children and internet access. Some children are given smartphones with total access to the internet. Some children are allowed to access YouTube videos and social media and Netflix, often without parental supervision. Do we need to be reminded again what is lurking out in the World Wide Web? I know that we adults are comfortable navigating around our websites, but a child is prone to wander and investigate out of sheer natural curiosity. 
Because of that fact, younger and younger children are being exposed to pornography all the time. And while that is bad enough, let's not ignore the fact that even if they don't see porn, there is just a ton of other junk, misinformation, and outright stupidity available to them in the form of short videos, clips, movies, and TV series geared to children. The entertainment media is working overtime to draw children into what would have been considered adult programming just a few decades ago. So as much as you will need to train your child to navigate the perils of the Internet, don't start that effort by simply giving them total access to it. This again means that any personal device is a capable portal to reach the Internet. But that goes for pretty much any public screen these days. Protect your child from his own sinful imaginations and desires until he is old enough to take responsibility and keep in step with the Holy Spirit in his media-watching habits. Now let's move on to the subject of promoting healthy entertainment screen habits. But before we talk about some good practices, what does the Bible say to us as parents? Since there aren't any verses on TV watching or the use of entertainment media, it may be tempting to ignore biblical truth. But like with other modern problems, we must always remember that God's Word always has foundational principles we can apply. For example, the psalmist writes, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. Psalm 101 verse 3. That verse applies, right? There's a whole lot of worthless material on TV that our children should just avoid. Then there's Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. How does what our children absorb from the entertainment media affect what they think about? And then how about Galatians 6 verse 8? For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Are we encouraging our children to sow to their sinful flesh or invest in spiritual things? And finally, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12, verse 2. Is your children's screen time conforming them more to the things of this world, or is it transforming them by the renewal of their mind? Well, with those and other related scripture verses in mind, here are some biblical and spiritually healthy practices to train our children by. First, limit the days and times for entertainment screen time. A recent study by Common Sense Media said children up to age 8 spend an average of 2 hours and 19 minutes every day on screen media. The lion's share of that time is occupied by TV and video viewing alone. It takes up 72% of all screen time. That's an increase from 2011 when the average daily screen media time for that same age group was 1 hour 55 minutes. 
Now, that's just up to age eight. We have to conclude that children older than age eight probably are spending even more time on screens, not less. And personally, I think those numbers are sort of lower than reality. Since these numbers are reported by parents, I'm not sure they are either being honest or know exactly how much screen time their children are really having. So the question is, how much time is enough and how much time is too much? Personally, I like to start with times that should be totally off limits. Children shouldn't be on screens first thing in the morning. This should be the time for Bible reading, quiet time, getting ready for school and for church. I don't think Saturday morning is a good time either. That's the prime time for chores and yard work and errands. So then assuming your child is in school, we have late afternoons, evenings, and weekends. The best practice is to set those times firmly, especially in a time where we don't have to watch a show when it's actually aired on TV, unless it's a sporting event. Set days and times which can be forfeited as a consequence and punishment. Teach your children to stay in these limits and not just beg for more, which they will do. So here's a suggested weekly schedule for screen time. One hour Monday through Thursday evenings. Two to three hours on Friday nights and Saturday early evenings. Maybe some video games or other screen activities on Saturday afternoon, depending on other activities. Would that be enough for your child? This schedule would bring your child down from the national average of 20 to 25 hours a week of screen time to maybe 12 to 15 hours a week. Now, whatever you choose, keep it consistent. Keep it throughout the year. Now, summertime may be a little different, but don't expand the times too much then either. Then you need to explain why it's important to set these limits. Teach your children how life is all about enjoying things we love in moderation. Too much of even a good thing becomes addiction and idolatrous. Talk to them about the need to be good stewards of their time, even their free time. And then tell your children how there is much more to life than just staring at a screen being entertained. There are plenty of things out there to enjoy. In the end, what you're trying to prevent is self-indulgent children. They need to learn how to enjoy in moderation and to be disciplined in their activities. Here's a second principle. Know what's being watched and choose what's being watched. For decades, the focus on media content for children was mainly the dangers of TV and video game violence. Now, there's no doubt that young children absorbing too many violent images and movies will be impacted in negative ways and possibly desensitized to the loss of human life. So keeping an eye on violent content is important. But what about the other content areas? What would have been pornographic when I was growing up is pretty tame today. It's hard to find many shows that aren't highly sexualized in some way, either by more flesh being shown, sexual activities being simulated, or what is being discussed or implied. Sex and violence are the most obvious content areas that we should protect our children from. 
Yet the reality is that even these most dangerous things are coming in our children in an unrelenting way. And then there are the other things that our children are watching that are opposed to the Christian life. The two moms raising a child together, the high rate of divorces and broken homes portrayed on TV, the mouthy and disrespectful children that are glorified, the teenage rebellion, drinking, drugs, etc., the ridicule of Christians, the church, and ultimately Jesus, and the list goes on. And then there's all the foul language that is just pervasive. Now, let's be honest, it is so easy to allow our children to watch a movie that is 90% fine, and we're willing to put up with the 10% junk. Or is it 80-20 or 70-30? Hopefully, as a Christian parent, you already know that it is a mistake to just go by the Hollywood movie and TV rating systems. That tells you virtually nothing about the content your child is about to watch. So know the content yourself and choose the content your child watches. Don't be ignorant about what they are viewing. Don't go on someone else's word about it. Be informed. Don't just put on the Disney Channel assuming that all their content is fine for children. After all, it's Disney. Well, those days are over if they ever really existed in the first place. I just read how one TV character on a show produced by and for the Disney Channel is making history as the first young boy coming out as a homosexual. Another related challenge is that you may be allowing your child to watch a certain TV series only to find out that more adult content has been introduced in later episodes. My boys and I have watched several shows that later introduced a, a gay character or a couple having premarital sex or drug use, etc. In some ways, content decisions are easier when our children are younger and dicier when they become preteens and teenagers. Well, that leads me to this third point. Talk about what's being watched. Part of the job of the parent is certainly to act as a blocking guard, ensuring that certain content doesn't reach the eyes and ears of our children. To use another analogy, another significant aspect of parenting is to be like the Hoover Dam, allowing content to come like a river or a stream rather than tidal waves or floods. So when you allow your child to watch content that is teaching the wrong worldview or even that which is blatantly sinful and evil, it's time for you to sit down and talk about it. Be ready with some questions as you watch a show or a movie, such as, is that character's behavior glorifying to God? What does God's word say about blank? Do you see the consequences of sin in that character's life? Can there be redemption in this story? How? What is this show teaching us about God? Is it true? And the list goes on. Every TV show or movie can be a theological lesson, making sure your children recognize truth from error. Now, if you have these conversations, your child may think you are ruining their entertainment experience by turning everything into a serious discussion. Now, there's certainly times just to laugh and enjoy or even be pulled into a drama and simply enjoy that. But try not to miss the teachable moments that are always before you. 
Do you really want the entertainment media teaching your child about life with no rebuttal from you? Or are you presuming that your child will be able to filter out the lies from the truth? This is where we need to be active in our parenting, using what our children are watching as conversation starters. Hopefully, as you are teaching them God's Word, as they are learning God's Word in Sunday school and at church, they'll begin to put their young faith in focus, rejecting all that is false in the entertainment media. Lead them in that effort. Here's a fourth proactive principle on entertainment media. Have shows and series you watch with your child. Now, I have to admit, I'm glad to be done with the days of watching Dora the Explorer and Blue's Clues. I've actually moved on to shows that I enjoy a bit more. If you're going to have conversations with your children about what they are watching on the entertainment screens, then you may as well actually watch it with them. That way you can have a running commentary and conversation at commercials or even hit the pause button along the way. But another important reason to have particular TV shows and series to watch with your children is that you will actually be with your children, sharing an activity together. Now, maybe you are a parent who would rather take your kids hiking or hunting or fishing or throw the football outside or cook and sew together or do other activities with them. That's great. But far too often, children are either doing their chosen activities alone or parents are spectators of their child's activity. Watching TV shows and movies together brings back the family living room and the family TV, where all family members bond together over a shared experience. It contributes to unity and camaraderie as well as creating a family identity. To be sure, this can also be time-wasting if we aren't careful, keeping us from other important activities to do as a family. But in the best-case scenario, we parents can have some quality time with our children by choosing a series to watch every episode together. And with the beauty of today's entertainment technology, you don't even have to wait an entire week for the next episode or be pinned down to only watch at the time the show is originally airing. Thank you, DVR. Also, I would suggest that you pick a show that you watch only with one child, if you have multiple children. Since I'm an avid TV watcher myself, it doesn't really bother me that I have different shows with all my children. It has allowed me to bond with just that one child over a shared TV experience. We have that show or movie in common now. Again, you may be too busy to sit down and watch a show or simply be disinterested of whatever shows your children are watching. I get that. But you may be missing an opportunity to engage with your child who is spending much of his or her time in front of the screen. Now, this also goes for video games as well. A great opportunity to participate with your child even if he beats you every single time. Here's a fifth principle. Expand your child's entertainment choices. As I mentioned earlier, the very nature of screen-based entertainment is that it tends to push away all other competing forms of activity. It does this by consuming so much time. 
but it also accomplishes its life dominance by appealing to our comfort, our laziness, and our passivity. After all, what's better at the end of a hard-working day than to veg out, check out, and just enjoy some mindless entertainment? Even when our children aren't really working that hard, they will be tempted to simply be a passive consumer of entertainment media than an active participant in other options. So, Christian parent, you may need to help them expand their horizons. Don't just let them swap one screen for another. Open up their free time options. Encourage them to read a book for an hour before being able to watch TV. Make them go outside and get some fresh air and run around or bike around. Challenge them to pick up another hobby. Build something, create something, write something, draw or color something, cook something for daddy. Hopefully you get the idea. We want our children not to just get busier with other stuff, but to develop a variety of interests. Too many adults do very little other than go to work and come home and watch TV. Our children will easily pick up on our same habits. And too many children are left to themselves with no parents home in the evening to even know what they are doing with their free time. Be present and active in your child's life. From an early age, give other options that will build their minds and bodies and souls. Hopefully it goes without saying that we should also be encouraging time for Bible reading and the reading of good Christian books. Let me end this podcast with a couple of sobering quotes from Neil Postman's classic book, Amusing Ourselves to Death. First published in 1985, but even more relevant today. First quote, Americans no longer talk to each other. They entertain each other. They do not exchange ideas. They exchange images. They do not argue with propositions. They argue with good looks, celebrities, and commercials. Second quote, It is not that television is entertaining, but that it has made entertainment itself the natural format for the representation of all experience. The problem is not that television presents us with entertaining subject matter, but that all subject matter is presented as entertaining. And finally, this prophetic quote, People will come to adore the technologies that undo their capacities to think. Hopefully, we can train our children to put entertainment in a right biblical context and seek His kingdom first above all things, especially above simply staring at a screen and amusing ourselves to death. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.